God is so good and his mercy endure forever. And the church in Boston, they will forgive me. Come on out. But I'm so glad we're serving a mighty God. He's a mighty God. He's a powerful God. Brother Doug, he's a mighty powerful God. Amen. I'm ready to preach. How many of you love the word? The psalmist David said, thy word is very pure. Not just pure, but very pure. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. And I am so glad I get to preach again. On the way here today, somebody was talking. They said, well, do you got to preach tonight? I said, no, I don't got to preach. They said, you're at home. I said, no, I'm going to Freedom Word Church. What's going on? I'm going to preach. You said, you don't got to preach. I don't got to, but guess what? I get to. How many of there's a big, big difference? Come on, shout amen. But God has done some great and mighty, mighty things. A week ago, I was at a church, and a lady came up with crippling arthritis. Her body was right with pain. And I laid my hands upon her, which is biblical. I know that's true. I laid my hands upon her, according to Mark 16, verse 18. I laid my hands upon her, but it wasn't my hand. It was his hand, Valerie. I laid my hand upon her, and she told me later, she said, it was like fire. She said, I felt the fire. Everybody shout, fire. fire. Say, like you've got some. Fire. She said, when you laid your hands on mommy, immediately it felt like fire. But guess what else? She went down under the power of God. Now, you don't have to fall out, but it's okay if you do. But she fell out. She did not give me a CD. That's a courtesy drop. I mean, but she was slaying the spirit and she was out. Service started about 6 o'clock that night. Here was about 9.30. We were leaving the sanctuary. Guess what? She was still out. And her husband said, well, I could lock up myself. Or I can take her home. He said, I think I'll just take her home. So he picks up his wife and takes her to the car. She's still out in the power of God. He puts her to bed. She's still out in the power of God. Well, noon the next day, she finally comes around. Come on, show hallelujah. But guess what? She was completely healed of crippling arthritis. Come on, hallelujah, somebody. But she said, as soon as I laid my hands upon her, it wasn't my hand. It was his hand. Not my touch, but his touch. And she felt the fire, the heal and the heat of the Holy Ghost. Come on, shout, thank God for the fire. Well, by the way, I feel like preaching on fire. Would you turn with me, please, tonight to 1 Kings chapter 18. Let me ask you a question. Does anybody here in this sanctuary tonight, you have a, an immediate loved one, a family member that needs a miracle? I'm not talking about a skin shin, a stubbed toe, or a sore throat. But they need a miracle. Let me see your hands. Anybody Several. I feel led of the Lord to do something here, and I'm going to lay my hands upon this while I'm preaching. There's some prayer cloths. If there's not enough, I always bring two or three myself. Because a couple weeks ago, I was at a church, and four brothers came up to me, 18, 19, 20, and 21, Four years, four years in a row, the mom and dad, they were busy. <laughs> but they came unto me with their dad. And the four brothers says, can we share a testimony? I said, by all means, what's going on? They said, a year ago, you were here at our church, and you looked at us, and you didn't know we were brothers. 
He said, well, the four of you, four young men, will you come up here right now? And they came up. And I said, what's going on? And they said, well, God is good. I said, is there something each of you need? And one said, we're brothers. I didn't know that. And they said, we need our father to get saved. Our mother was a Christian. She led us to the Lord a few years ago. But our father has never been saved. But we're concerned about our father. I reached in my pocket, pulled out a handkerchief. And I told them what happened in Acts chapter 19, verses 11 and 12, how from Paul's body were sent out handkerchiefs and aprons. And I prayed over that handkerchief, that prayer cloth. I said, fellas, I want you to take this prayer cloth. I want you to go put it in a place where your father didn't notice. Put it inside the pillowcase or under the mattress. They get home that Sunday night. They tell me the story. The father already asleep. So they didn't want to wake him up, so they waited until the next night. And some Monday night, they put the prayer cloth, the handkerchief under his mattress. That Monday night and Tuesday morning, here they were, the four brothers, at the kitchen table having breakfast, and the dad comes in, and the dad says, I couldn't sleep all night last night. I know your mama... She had religion. She had more than religion. She had Jesus. And I know that the four of you, you've gone to church and you've got religion too. You've got Jesus. And the dad said, I don't know much about your Jesus. But all night long, I was up and I was saying, Jesus, I've got to know you. 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 He looked at the four sons and said, how can I know this Jesus? And guess what? Those four sons, those brothers, they got to lead the dad to the Lord. Come on, shout amen. And there's power, power. Now, there's not only prayer clause. If you need your loved ones to be set free of some damnable disease, some satanic sickness, Come up here and get one of these. But also, I want you to know this. God is not limited to this. He can bring up one of your own. I'll pray for it. And I believe that God can do the same thing for you. Come on, shout amen. Years ago, Smith Wigglesworth was in a great time of ministry in Australia. And the, the owners of the home, they gave up the master bedroom to Smith Wigglesworth. He was there for about two weeks. And he was leaving after two weeks. The, the wife says, please, please don't go yet. Don't go yet because my husband isn't saved yet. He turns and says, just don't change the sheets. And so that night, the man and wife, they go back to the master bedroom. She not change the sheets. In the middle of the night, guess what? He sits up in bed and said, I've got to get right with God. Come on, shout amen. How many of those power, power, wonder-working power? Come on, shout amen. So if you need a loved one, immediate loved one that needs a miracle, come get one of these. And if you're believing God for a loved one, you bring up your handkerchief. We've got about 12. That's enough here, but bring up one. Can somebody shout, God's going to do it again. Would you turn with me, please, tonight to 1 Kings chapter 18? Once again, I miss Pastors Greg and Glenna. I've known them for almost 40 years. You've got two of the best. Now, that was weak, low-key, and pathetic. Let's try it again. I said, you've got two of the best. That's a whole lot better. 1 Kings chapter 18. Verse number 24, then drop it down to verse number 30. Elijah the prophet of God said this, And call ye on the name of your gods. Now I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. The people of God need the fire of God. The church of the living God, we need the fire of God. Drop it down, please, to verse number 30. 
And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. I like that. But in the message Bible, he said, enough of that. It's my time. And Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came and said, Israel should be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid them on the wood and said, Fill four bears with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran about the altar. And he filled also the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Then Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abram, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant. Now I've done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God. Thou hast turned their hearts back again. Now notice the next seven words. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Come on, say that please. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Again, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, saw what? When they saw the fire fall, when they saw the manifestation, when they saw the demonstration, hear me, in this hour, people need to see the fire of God. They need to see a manifestation. They need to see a demonstration. And when they saw it, all the people fell on their faces, and they began to cry, what the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Father God, we thank you for your word. Your word is life-giving. And Father, I believe tonight, because of your holy, holy word, we will never, ever be the same again. We thank you. Now we bless you. And all of God's people said together, amen. That sounded good. You better say it again. Amen. And then the fire of the Lord fell. We need the fire of God. We must have the fire of God. Everybody shout fire. Again, fire. Our God is a God of fire. And we need to be burning and blazing, a glow, fervent, red hot season. We need to be on fire for our God. All through the Bible, we find the fire of God. In fact, 515 times we read about the fire because our God is a God of fire. He is a consuming fire. He sits as a refining fire, and we need the fire of God. And when the fire of God falls, something is going to happen. One great man of God, D.L. Moody, said this, Get on fire for God and people will come and watch you burn. Come on now. Let's begin to burn and burn and burn. I said we need the fire of God. At the great Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles, over 150 times the fire department was called out to come to the Azusa Street Mission. When they got there, guess what? There was no natural fire, but guess what? That place was definitely on fire. Come on, shout amen. If ever we need the fire of God, we need the fire of God in this hour. Not just collectively, but I want the fire of God in my life. I want to be burning and burning and burning and burning. What about you, church? Let us begin to burn like never before. Come on, shout fire. Woo, Hallelujah. Our God is a God of fire. This book is a fiery book. Come on now. In fact, the prophet, now who was Jeremiah? Come on, tell me. Jeremiah was a what? 
I'm glad you know, I was at a church a year ago. I said, Jeremiah was a what? Somebody shouted out a bullfrog. Come on now. <laughs> You've been taught right around this place. Come on now. But Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 20 verse 9, his word is in my heart like a burning fire. Shut it within my bones. In Jeremiah 23 verse 29, Jeremiah wrote, is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord. You see, we need the fire of God. But the Bible tells us in verse number 38, and then the fire of the Lord fell. You see, there was a showdown on the top of Mount Carmel. I mean, there was Elijah the prophet, Elijah the Tishbite. Somebody said, what's a Tishbite? I don't know, but I hope it's not contagious. But Elijah the Tishbite told that wicked king Ahab, I want you to call for all the prophets. The 450 prophets of Baal and the prophets that eat at Jezebel's table, 850. I wanted to meet me at the top of Mount Carmel for a showdown. Hamro, the thing was outnumbered. Come on now. Elijah and God had them outnumbered. Come on now. So they got to the top of Mount Carmel and Elijah said, We're going to call upon our gods. You call upon your fake news, I mean, your fake gods. And I'm going to call upon the Lord God Almighty and the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And Elijah was courteous and kind sometimes. He told the false prophets, he said, you go first. And those false prophets, they begin to call up and say, oh, Baal, send down the fire. Oh, Baal, we need the fire. Oh, Baal, send down the fire. I mean, they danced around. They did the fire dance. They begin to cut themselves. They begin to shout, oh, Baal, please, please, let there be fire. But nothing happened. And Elijah began to mock them. He said, well, maybe your God is asleep. Maybe your God is on a vacation. I love the living Bible. He said, maybe your God is on the toilet. Come on down. <laughs> but guess what? There was no fire sent down upon the altar by Baal. And then finally, Elijah said, back up. It's showtime. Come on down. Oh, yeah. He said, it's time. And guess what, church? Let me tell you this. It's time. It's our time. The world of the flesh and the devil, they've had their time. All these corrupt politicians, all this woke agenda, I mean, they've had their time. But it's time for the people of God to arise and say, Lord, send down the fire. Send down the fire in our lives, our home, our family, our churches, our nation. We need the fire of God. Raise your hands up high and shout, fire, fire, fire. Come on, somebody. We need the fire to fall like never before. And guess what? The fire fell. Verse 38 says, and then the fire of the Lord fell. But look at me. In order for the fire of God to fall, there were several things that Elijah did. There were some prerequisites. There were some conditions. How many want to see the fire of God fall in your life? Come on, shout amen. I'm talking about I want God Almighty to touch you, to touch me, to touch us. When people get around you, they say, hey, that man's on fire for God. Hey, that woman's on fire for God. Hey, that church is burning and blazing for the Lord. Come on, shout, let it burn. Let it burn, let it burn. But there were several things that... Elijah did. Mark it down. Five things I find out in this portion of Scripture. Number one, Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. Number two, Elijah took the limits off of God. Number three, Elijah knew who God was. Number four, Elijah knew who he was. And number five, Elijah said, if I'm willing to do the seemingly ridiculous, then God is ready to do the supernatural. Notice these things. First of all, the Bible tells us in verse 30 that Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. Sad to say, but as I travel from coast to coast in this day and age, so many churches no longer have the altar time. But it's time to get back to the altar. Now, what is the altar? An altar is not just a pretty, pious piece. 
a fashionable formalistic furniture in a solemn sanctimonious sanctuary. No, but an altar is a meeting place with God. It's time to get back to the altar. Because at the altars where God does alterations. Come on down. At the altars where we get down before the Lord, we cry, God, I need you like never before. Lord, I need more than just a blessing. I need to be changed. At the altars where we cry, oh God, create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me, oh God. Get a hold of my life and don't let go. At the altars where God takes out the stony heart and puts in a heart of flesh. At the altar is where God takes out the Jacob and it puts in the Israel. At the altar is where he cried, oh God, not my will, but thy will be done. At the altar we say, God, I need you like never before. It's when we lay down the old and pick up the new. It's at the altar, at the altar, at the altar. Now recently, a young girl went to her very first wedding. And after the wedding, she turned to her mother. She said, Mama, dear, yes, darling, what is it? Why did the bride change her mind? Now, I've been at some weddings. I wish the bride would have changed her mind. Come on now. She said, what do you mean? Well, Mama, the bride went down to the altar with the old man and left with the new man, come on down. And that's what happens, church. We go to the altar and we lay down the old man and we pick up the new man. We become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Come on, chef. He gets rid of all the garbage and the junk and the yuck and the trash and the filth and the slime and the mess. Come on, somebody. I'm so glad that 54 years ago, many of you know my story. I was a nobody going nowhere, but God got a hold of me. Where? At the altar. Where? At the altar. He changed my life. And because he changed my life, at the altar, I don't smoke, drink, dip, chew, cuss, jamble, you know, snort. I don't chase ugly women or vote Democrat. Come on now. Hallelujah. Did I say that? Come on now. I'm talking about, oh, take the last part off the tape. Come on now. But I'm talking about God changed my life at the altar. Hallelujah. Woo! Somebody raise your hands up high and shout, do it again. Do it again, do it again. At the altar, the altar. The bride meets the groom at the altar. Who are we? The church is what? We are the bride. And Christ Jesus is what? The heavenly bridegroom. And the bride comes to the altar, meets the groom at the altar, become man and wife. What about you? How many of you went to an altar to get married? Anybody come on? Let me see hands. You went to the altar. But most couples, after the, they never go back to the altar to spend time together. We bring our children, our babies down to the altar to be dedicated. But when's the last time we brought our children down to the altar to spend time in the presence of the Lord? If we begin to pray, God's going to make a way. I said, we begin to pray. I said, God is going to make a way. Come on, somebody. Say, Lord, let it be. When we begin to repair the altar, yes, with the fire of Almighty God, it's going to fall. Come on, shout, do it again. Hallelujah. And I'm so thankful for a Holy Ghost mama that knew how to spend time at the altar. And my little mom would always say, you got to get a hold of the horns of the altar and don't let go. Don't let go. Everybody shout, don't let go. Don't let go. Now, I may share this before because I've known your pastors for almost 40 years. Sometimes I may preach something or say something I said before, but that's okay. But uh, before I got saved, some of you know, may know my story. I was arrested 45 different times for arson, assault, Arms violations, auto theft, possession, attempted murder, my life was a mess. As a young teenager, I served time twice in the state penitentiary. I was a mess. I was evil, wicked, raunchy, corrupt, vile, and those were my good points. Come on now. But I was going to go to court in November of 1971. I was facing 40 years in the penitentiary for five felony charges. And I was going to go to court in November 71, but they put the case off till March of 72. Thank God they did. But here was in November 1971, my seven, two others. Now, I'm originally from the Holy Land, Alabama. I'm now living in Salem. As you know, my kids, it used to be the priest of Salem. Today, I am. 
But at that time in 1971, I was living in Montgomery, Alabama. And I went to my friends over to Atlanta, Georgia to buy a bunch of drugs. And so here we were. We had a lot of money, a lot of money, tens of thousands of dollars to buy drugs. We're going to meet these guys at a place called Piedmont Park at the Brazilian. Now, back in those days, they used to have long hair, all kinds of earrings. You can see the holes, can't you? From all the way back then, can't you? Come on down. But anyhow, I mean, I was a mess. So the three of us went there in Atlanta, Georgia, to buy a bunch of drugs. I was an entrepreneur back in those days. Buy it wholesale, sell it retail. Come on down. And so here we were, the three of us. We were there at the Brazilian Piedmont Park waiting for these guys to show up, and they were late. We said, maybe it's because of the Atlantic traffic. Have you been to Atlanta during rush hour? Oh, yeah. And so they're five minutes late, 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes late. They're running late. And we said, it's probably the traffic. And so I said, well, I'll be back in just a moment. And I was going to go to the, the crest of the hill where the car was, maybe from here to the road out there. I said, be back in just a few moments. And so you couldn't see the car from where we were. So I woke up the, the hill, began to walk toward, you know, the car. As I was walking to the car, as far as the eye could see in all directions, there was nobody there. Finally get to the car. I reached to the visor to grab something. And when I looked back this close to me, there's a man standing there. My knees begin to knock. They begin to have a fellowship meeting. Come on now. I looked at him. Even now, I can remember now. He said, I'm sitting from the presence of Almighty God. Do not go back down to the pavilion. I say, do not go back down to the pavilion. I turned for just a moment to put it back. He was gone. Back to hear those words over and over again. I never forget what I heard back then, November 1971. He said, I'm sent from the presence of Almighty God. Do not go back down to the pavilion. Do not go back down. I said, I think I'm going to stay here for a while. And I stood there for a few moments. How long? I don't know. Five, six, seven, eight minutes. I stood there. None of us heard. Bam, 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 bam. About a dozen shots ring to the air. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that my two friends, Tony and David, were dead. I knew they were killed. I knew if I'd gone back down there, I'd have been dead too. I stood there for a moment beside the cars. Well, I said, maybe, maybe they're just, just shot. Maybe they're wounded, but they're okay. And I waited. I don't know how long it was. And I said, they're not coming back. And I got back. That car went back to Montgomery, Alabama. I went back. When I got to Montgomery, I said, I know where I went to. Take a guess. Mama's house. Come on, Mama's house. Not sure. Better than Mama's house. And I walked in the back door. And so I walked in. And as soon as I walked in, I could hear Mama in the next room, just a hiccup of shine. Come on now. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Mama heard me come in. She gets up. She walks in there. She said, hey, son. Hey, Mama dear. She said, where you been? Nowhere. What you been up to? Nothing. I mean, my mom was a Holy Ghost woman. She lived for God for 90, 91 years. Filled the Holy Ghost for about 89 years. And she said, the Lord told me that Tony and David are dead. <laughs> How did she know that? I said, whatever, mama, whatever, mama, whatever, mama. I mean, I was a heathen dog. I didn't want to hear that. But I got saved up four months later. And I said to my mama, I said, mama, dear, what son, what son, what son? Remember the day I came home, you told me that Tony and David were dead. Yeah, how'd you know that? What happened, Mama? She says, son, I came home early the day. She was a photographer. I came home early the day from the studio. And as soon as I walked in the house, immediately the Lord gripped me and said, begin to pray. And I knew that I was going to be praying for you. And she said, I just fell down on my face stretched out. I didn't even go to the back bedroom. I didn't go, but I fell down on the kitchen floor where I was. And I began to cry, oh, God, oh, God. And she said, I began to pray in the Holy Ghost for about 30 or 40 minutes. She said, I don't know how long it was. She said, I pray in the Holy Ghost. And finally I stopped. And I said, God, what is it? What is it? What is it? 
And the Lord said, my daughter Danny is in grave danger right now. And if you will ask me, I would dispatch an angel to watch over him. And she said, Lord, dispatch that angel right now. Now, I believe the same angel the Lord dispatched on that day is that same angel that stood by my side of that car there in Atlanta, Georgia. Come on, shout amen. But my mama knew how to spend time at the altar. My mama knew how to pray. Church, let's begin to pray like never before. If you'll pray, God Almighty, he will make a way. Come on, somebody raise your hands up high and say, do it again. You and the fire got to fall, but you've got to, beloved, you've got to begin to repair the altar of the Lord. Begin to spend time. Time, time, time in his holy presence again. But not only did he repair the altar, but also Elijah took the lemon self of God. He told the people that on the top of the mountain, fill four barrels with water. He didn't say teacups. He didn't say drinking pitchers. He said four barrels with water. No, it had not rained for three and a half years in Israel. I mean, there was a drought, there was a famine. All the lakes and the rivers and the creeks and streams were dried up. What was the most precious substance in Israel at that time? Water. He said, fill four barrels with water. They did it. He said, and pour it upon the altar. They said, do what? Have you lost your ever-loving mind? He said, do it. They poured the four barrels upon the water. He said, do it the second time. They did it. To the third time, they did it. You see, the water was most precious. You want the fire of God to fall in your life? You need to be willing to lay the precious upon the altar. What is near and dear to you? What is most precious to your life? Say, God, whatever you're calling me to do, I will do it. God, have thine own way. Abraham. He had a son, Isaac. It was the most precious thing he had in his life. But God said, are you willing to lay the precious upon the altar? You see, oh, the prophet of God knew they didn't rain, but it says pour the water, the precious upon the altar. And what happened? The water flowed on the altar. It got wet. When the wood is wet, the fire will fall. What do you mean the wood? I'm talking about the wood of the altar. When the wood is wet with tears of intercession, the fire is going to fall. But he took the living self of God, but had them pour 12 barrels because he was sent on people to know this is not a circus act. It's not a sideshow gimmick, but this is the real deal. How many of you got a lot of flakery today in the body of Christ? Come on. But we need the real, real deal. He pour, had them pour 12 barrels. He took the limits off of God. A friend of mine, he was a missionary in Russia. It was 2002, Easter Sunday morning. He had read an auditorium there in Russia, Moscow. It would see 2,000 people. And the place was packed. They came to hear the American preacher. And that morning, Brother Mike's name, Mike was preaching on the resurrection. Everybody shout, he's alive. He's preaching on Jesus is alive, the resurrection. All of a sudden, five men stood up, five Russian officials. And the, the leader says, you're a liar. How could you dare come here and speak nothing but lies to this group of people? No one has ever been raised up from the dead after three days. No one's come alive after three days. You're a liar, you're a liar. And he said, please, fellow, we'll talk after the service. They kept on and found the five Russian officials. They left. Mike went on with the message. Well, a few minutes later, guess what? Those five Russian officials, they came walking down the center aisle carrying a corpse. He was dead. I'm talking about D-E-A-D, -E dead. And so Mike saw them coming with that dead man, and they threw the dead man, the corpse, up on the platform. They said, here, if your God is real like you say is real, then you tell your God to raise him up from the dead. And Mike Channing said, I don't tell my God anything. Well, you just actual God then. And Mike stood there for a moment, looking down. There was the dead man. He said, oh, God. Oh, God. Have you ever got the oh, God's? Come on. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. What do I do? He said, son, just raise him up from the dead. He said, but God, my name is not Wigglesworth. He said, but I'm still the God of Wigglesworth. I'm the God that has not changed. 
What do we do? Lay your hands upon him. Lay your hands upon him. You see, you've got to take the limits off of God. People say, can God, can God, can God do this, can God? He's not a can God, but God can. And the Lord said, lay your hands upon him. So Mike knelt down and laid his hands upon that cold, cold, very cold corpse. He said, what do I do? God says, pray. Okay. They never taught me this at Bible college. I never read a book on how to raise the dead. God said, just pray. Leave it to me. And Mike said, in the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of death to leave this body and life come back into this body. When Mike prayed that prayer, guess what happened? Nothing. Oh, God. God said, do it again. And Mike knelt down and laid his hands upon him and prayed that same prayer again. And this time, nothing happened. Hell was telling him, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But God says, son, just do it one more time. One more time. And Mike said, oh, God, this is it. Just one more time. And Mike said, I reached over and laid my hands upon that lifeless body. This time, it was not cold, 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 but I felt the body. It was warm. It was a warm body. Mike said, all of a sudden, faith began to rise. And Mike said, in the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of death to leave this body life. Come back. When he prayed, all of a sudden, that man sat up. Mike said, it's time to give the altar call. Come on, shout amen. And then more than 2,005 people got saved. Come on, shout amen. But you've got to take the limits off of God. You say, I want the fire of God to fall. You've got to say, Lord, whatever it takes, you're the God that is able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all, we can ask you. We believe you, God. We take you at your word. But Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. Elijah took the limits off of God. The third thing is this. Elijah knew who God was. You want the fire of God to burn in your life? You know, see the the manifestation, the fire of God? You've got to know who God is. Sad to say, but even in churches, even full gospel, Pentecostal, tongue-talking, charismatic, word churches, so many people, they don't know who God is. Come on now. Who is God? Well, he's the big guy. Who is he? Well, he's the man upstairs. Hear me. He's big, all right. He's upstairs, but guess what? He's more than that. He is the almighty, the all-sufficient, the omnipotent. He's the Lord God Almighty. Come on. He is the great I am that I am. He's Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Sikhanu, Jehovah Makedish. Hallelujah. He's a mighty, mighty God. He's the same one who said, let there be light, and there was light. He's the same one who knocked over the walls of Jericho and put to flight Israel's foe. He's the same one, the same God who stopped the sun in his tracks for Joshua. Can I take a rabbit trail for just one moment? He's the same God who stopped the sun and strikes for Joshua. Now I live in Salem, which is Roanoke County. And the county next to us is Franklin County. Franklin County, Virginia. Some of you may know this. This is a tidbit for if you don't know this. Franklin County, Virginia is known as the moonshine capital of the world. Did you know that? There's a series on television a few years ago called Moonshine. Did you see that? I thought you did. But never years ago, a friend of mine, he was a, a judge there in Franklin County, Judge Wolf. And people were coming before him that day, and so he looked down the paperwork, the next guy came up before him, and the guy was charged for moonshining. And the, the guy was charged with moonshining, his name was Joshua. My friend, Judge Wolf, I mean, he's a word sitter and spiritual man that loved God. He said, moonshine, Joshua. The man stood before Judge Wolf. He said, are you the same Joshua that made the sun stand still? He said, no, sir. I said, Joshua, that made the moonshine still. Come on now. <laughs> but you've got to know who God is. Ambassador, do you know him? 
I'm not talking about just knowing about him, Virginia, but I'm talking, do you know him? 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 Do you know him, church? Do you know him? I've got a personal, close, intimate relationship with him. He's my Lord, my God, my King, my strength, my master. He's my all in all. He's my hope. He's my help. He's my healer. He's my song. He's my supply. He's my shield. He's my joy. He's my testimony. He is my Jesus. And I don't just know about him, but I am so glad that I know him. He walks with me and he talks with me. Come on, somebody. Do you know who he is? You and the fire got to fall. You've got to repair the altar. You've got to take the limb and self of God. You've got to know who God is, but also, if you're the fire of God to fall, you've got to know who you are. He said, For thou art God in Israel. He knew who God was. He said, And I am thy servant. Do you know who you are? Sad to say, but most Christians, they don't know who they are. Who are you? Well, I'm just a poor sinner. Saved by grace. Not me. I was a sinner. And I'm saved by grace. But now I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Who am I? I'm a spirit being. Having a human experience. And I'm living in heaven while on earth. Come on now. Who am I? I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ Jesus. I'm a warrior. I'm a champion. I'm a winner. I'm a full-time front-line fanatical freedom fighter. I'm a Holy Ghost Rambo. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I know who. I am. Come on. Let me ask you. Do you know who you are? Most people don't. Exploration in the world, they, they don't know who they are. And my boy or girl, let me help you out. Take a peek. Come on now. <laughs> but in the body of Christ, most people don't know who they are. I'm asking, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are, church? Do you know who you are? I belong to him. He belongs to me. Raise your hands up high and say, Lord, I want to know you like never before. Show me who you are. God, I want to have a revelation like never before. Who I am in you. We're in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We're wrapped up and tied up and bounded up in the everlasting arms of our great God. Come on, shout, thank you, Lord. You know the fire of God to fall? You know the fire of God to fall in your life, your home, your family, your marriage, and this great church? In this area, in this state, in our country, how many in America we need the fire of God like never before? We need revival. Come on now. Ooh, yeah, Lord. But you see, Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. Elijah took the limits off of God. Elijah knew who God was. Elijah knew who he was. And Elijah was saying, if I want to do the seemingly ridiculous, and God is ready to do the supernatural. He said, for thou art God, and I'm thy servant, and I've done all these things at thy word. How knows it was a seemingly ridiculous thing for him to have a contest against 850 prophets on the town of Mount Carmel. How knows a seemingly ridiculous thing for him to do had to have them pour 12 barrels of water. But guess what? Elijah said, I've done all these things at thy word. And whatever God asks you to do, if you're willing to do it, guess what? He's going to show up and show out. What is God asking you to do? Whatever God asks, just be willing to obey. I said obey. Everybody shout obedience. Shout it again. Obedience. Pastor Rod Parsley, pastors in Columbus, Ohio. Him and his wife, Joan, have two children, the daughter Ashton and the son Austin. Austin's the youngest of the two, but when Austin was born, he wasn't operating right in life. After he began, a, maybe about a year or so later, after he was born, they took him to the doctor. And the doctor said to Pastor Rod Pars, his wife, Joni, he's got autism. He kept watching him later on. That said, he's got probably the worst case of autism. 
we have ever seen. He's got mental disorders, all kinds of mental issues, all kinds of problems. So, so, so severe, they said he would never grow up to function right. He would never, never grow up to know his mom or his dad. He'll never grow up to have a normal existence. He would never be no more than a vegetable because of the problem, the mental issues he had. And that doctor looked at Pastor Rod's wife. He said, the best thing for you to do is this to put him in, in a mental institution and just forget you've ever had him. Pastor Rod said, have you lost your mind? My God's going to heal my sons. He said, Reverend, uh, I know what I'm talking about. Pastor Rod says, I do too. And for the next few years, his son didn't function right, didn't function right. Almost like a vegetable, a walking vegetable. Didn't know his mom or his dad was. Couldn't, couldn't say a word. could utter a word. could sing a song. And he was just so bad. So bad. But Robert said, I believe my God. I believe my God. What about you, church? Some of you need a miracle in your life. Why don't you say, Lord, I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. You're going to turn my son around, my daughter around, my grandson around, my grandson around. How many of you need Almighty God to do a mighty miracle like Pastor Rodney? Maybe not the same thing. Maybe it's your home, your family, marriage, your business, your ministry, whatever. I don't know. But he said, but I believe God. I believe God. But this time... I started growing up one year, two years, three, I believe up four years of age. Especially when it would rain and thunderstorms, that he would really act out. He would scream and holler and throw things and kick and punch and fight. Not saying a word, not uttering a sound. No more than a few grunts. But here it was, it was so severe. Here it was in that camp meeting. Pastor Rod's wife, Joni, says, Rod, you're going to camp meeting. I'll stay back here with a caretaker because she'll need my help tonight. So Pastor Rod goes on the camp meeting that night. They're having a glorious camp meeting. Praise and worship was going on. The place was packed. Many were watching online. Pastor Rod was praising God. All of a sudden, the Lord stopped him in the middle of everything and said, do you want to see your sons heal? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You just see me heal right now? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want you to get up right now. Go to the platform. I want you to drop to your back and start rolling across the platform to the side of the platform on your back. And then roll back again and keep on rolling until I tell you to stop. He said, Lord, I'm in a three-piece suit. Do you want him heal? Yes, Lord. Get up there and begin to roll on the floor. Well, people in this sanctuary, they'll think I'm lost my mind. You want him heal? Yes, Lord. There are thousands watching online. You know, hell, yes, Lord. Then, son, get up there, drop your back, and begin to roll on the floor. He said, Lord, do you want to hear? Yes, Lord. But, oh, Lord, get up there, roll on your back. And Rod gets up from its front row. He walks to the platform and steps over. The praise team thinks he wants to talk in a while, say something. Rod says, keep on singing, keep on singing. And they continue to sing. All of a sudden, Pastor Rod drops to the floor on his back. People look and say, has he lost his ever-loving mind? But he drops to the floor, and all of a sudden, Pastor Rod rolls in his back. It's a humongous platform. He rolls to the side of the platform on his back. And God says, keep on rolling, keep on rolling, keep on rolling. And he says, did I miss God? Did I miss God? Have I lost my mind? The Lord said, keep on rolling, keep on rolling. He rolls and rolls to the edge of the platform. God said, roll to the side. Maybe from here to the wall, humongous platform. He begins to roll all the way on his back. He said, people are going to think I'm crazy. Doing him heal, son. Yes, Lord, I'm going to heal. He rolls to this side, then rolls to this side. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. The Lord says, keep on rolling, keep on rolling, keep on rolling, keep on rolling. Get to the edge. God, he said, keep on rolling. Go back. He begins to roll again, roll again, roll again on his back, rolling again. He's halfway there. Lord says, stop. He's healed. Get up and begin to praise me. And Rod steps the Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand. He says, he's healed. He's healed. healed. And Pastor Rod goes back to his seat. And all of a sudden, his cell phone begins to ring. And everybody says, the only person he could get through the bypass was his wife. Hello. You won't believe what just happened. What's that? Austin was under the bed. It's thundering so loud. He was under the bed just screaming and kicking up. But all of a sudden, me, just a moment ago, less than a minute ago, all of a sudden, he stops. 
He's never sung a song in his life. And he starts singing Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm. <laughs> oh, come on, shout amen. Hallelujah. Woo! When she said that, the rod, he didn't roll, but he got him again to run. Come on, shout amen. Woo! And their son, Austin, he went from there to kindergarten, to elementary school, to middle school, to high school, and to college. He never received anything less than an A. Come on, shout amen. When God does it, God does it right. Come on now. But Elijah, he repaired the altar of the Lord. He did the limits off of God. He knew who God was. He knew who he was. Allah said, if I'm willing to do this same ridiculous, he'll do the supernatural. And when he did these things, what happened? The Bible tells us, and then the fire of the Lord fell. And the fire of God falls in your life. When you begin to burn like never before, I don't know about you, but church, I'm already burning. But my cry is this, Brother Doug, I want to burn like never before. I want to burn and burn and burn and burn and burn and burn and burn on the fire of God. What's the fire of God? It's the anointing of God. It's the glory of God, the presence of God, the power of God, the spirit of God. When I begin to I want to be so on fire for God. When people get around me, they can say there's something about you. There's something about your very presence. I feel the fire of God. How many of you want that? Come on and shout. I want it. Would you stand with me, please, right now? Would you come to the keyboard, please? The praise team, would you come? Would you come? Can somebody shout, thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Raise your hand and begin to praise him, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 I've come to the platform. I'm not going to roll. Unless God told me to. But how many of you would say, on the fire of God to fall? When the fire falls, it'll bring manifestations, demonstrations. But not just that. What does fire do? It warms. If your heart's become cold and complacent, let the fire of God fall tonight upon you, God. Set me ablaze for you again. Set me ablaze. What does the fire do? The fire does many things. But how about I've got a place in my backyard on a fire pit. Sometimes I'll burn up some trash and some garbage and junk. Guess what? If there are things in your life that ought not be there, I'm not going to have you shout out what, the, what it is, but there's some things maybe that said that ought not be there. Maybe some anger issues. Maybe envy, jealousy, strife. I don't know what it may be. Maybe there's some things that are there. You love the Lord, but still there's some areas you've been dealing with. 